So today, um, got a little message that uh, I've put together this week. Um, you know, sometimes messages come so easy, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you just kind of put some stuff together, I'm ready, and then sometimes they, they're so hard to put together. This is one of those that was very hard to put together. This is a lot of hours, and um, a couple of things uh, brought this on. First off, my, uh, my creative title, uh, so if, if I'd shown that before, you know, I would have said, hello, Lifeline, you know, uh, so, all right, that's, if you don't get that, it's a good thing. Uh, I know some of you said you went and watched Gladiator after last week. Don't go watch this, okay? It says 1991, you know, with Silence of the Lambs, if you can believe that. I was in 10th grade, uh, and I wish I hadn't watched it. I don't think I could sleep, you know, by myself for a week. But, um, so, I was thinking about, in the terms, though, of, uh, of faith and increasing our faith and how... Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And who are the people that should be bringing the Word of God? I mean, the Bible says we are His sheep. We are the sheep of His pasture. We are the lambs. And it seems like we're hitting a a period where they're trying to silence the lambs. So as long as... People aren't talking about Christianity. As long as people aren't talking about Jesus, talking about God, everybody kind of seems to be to be happy. We live in this little tolerant society where everybody's tolerant of everything, but anybody that loves Jesus. And so, you know, that's where I came up with this title. And there's a couple of reasons. Um, let me kind of just show you a couple of the verses I've, I've chosen to, to kind of start all this off. The first one's Luke 17, 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And I think all of us, would, you know, if, if you're like me, I'm going to be 39 on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I, I think about my, my spiritual walk over the past 20 or so years and how it hadn't been filled with faith. I mean, all the time. I've had mountaintops of faith where I'm like, you know, God's come through for me. And Red Sea experience, he just parted them for me and... I'm going through the desert. Thank you, Lord. You're mighty and my trust is in you. And then I go three days without water like them. And I'm like, where are you, Lord? You just bring me out here to die. This is awful. I can't believe you did this to me. And, you know, and then I'm, I'm back in doubt. I mean, it's like a big roller coaster ride. That, you know, sometimes I have, you know, faith like a mighty man. And then sometimes, uh, like Peter, you know, some little girl saying, aren't you one of his followers? No, no, I don't know the man, you know. And it just seems like it's that, that wave, you know. But, but we would all ask the Lord, increase our faith. And Romans ten seventeen gives us the, um, gives us how faith comes. So then, as a consequence, this is how faith comes. By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If faith is going to be increased and our own lives individually, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our co-workers, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of the people we know that are, that are non-believers. How are they going to come to faith? They're going to come to faith by hearing. And are we silent? 
Or are we the ones bringing this message by the way we live and looking for every opportunity to tell them about our faith? Because this, this is a very, very tough thing. And I don't know if you know this, but this past Tuesday, um, June 17th, was the, um, was the 51st anniversary of the landmark court case that basically eliminated um, Bible reading from our school. as the Abington School District versus Shemp. And this was one of the cases that came before the uh, Supreme Court. And basically, a little school in Pennsylvania, uh, at the, to start the day, uh, everybody, um, they read 10 verses of the Bible. You didn't talk about it afterwards. It was just, you know, you read the 10 verses and then you go on with your day. Well, this guy, um, you know, Shemp, Edward, I think his name was Edward uh, Shemp. I can't pronounce it. Um, But he didn't like the fact that his boy was going through school, and he's like, this goes against what we believe, and we don't like that, okay? And so his boy, his name was uh, Ellery Shemp, if I'm saying that right, and uh, he's still alive. He's 73 years old today, the boy that was sitting in that classroom. And he's still a champion speaker amongst, uh, you know, the humanist groups, amongst the atheist groups. Because, you know, I mean, like, here's the guy. I mean, his dad got it all started. He got that Bible eliminated from school. And, you know, and they, they praise him. He's still around. 73, still atheist, uh, doesn't believe in God, you know, very much against um, guide and all that. And that court case, you may not have heard of that one, but you probably have heard of the one, Murray uh, versus Curlett, that was combined with that case. Because in Baltimore, Maryland, um, their policy was like before school, they read one whole chapter a day. And this uh, one lady, Madeline Murray O'Hare, you know, she's the one that kind of wants credit for getting that prayer taken out of school. She started the uh, American Atheist Organization. And um, she loves taking credit, but she had a kid in school. And, um, you know, she's like, this is wrong. You know, we don't believe in any of this, this stuff. And in a pretty cool little turn of events, her boy that was in school is now a Christian and believes in God and very much speaks out against, you know, atheism and for God. So this past Tuesday was the 51st anniversary of the day that they said, no more Bible reading in school. we got to get this out of here. And um, from that day forward, you've seen a major silencing of God, you know, people of God being spoken about in public uh, meetings. You know, they used to pray beforehand, and there's groups saying you can't do that. Uh, you know, it goes against, you know, the Constitution. goes against all this stuff. And that's just kind of where we are right now. There's a major silencing of the lambs, of the people of God. And, you know, I feel that pressure. I talk to other teachers who feel that pressure, you know, when you're in school and, uh, you know, they, they just say, let's bow our head for a moment of silence. There's nobody afraid of a moment of silence because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And so I just have to look for those opportunities, you know, just go to work every day and just have a smile on my face. Even if I don't feel like it, work myself happy, make myself, I can usually do it within a couple of hours. And, you know, hopefully, it always happens. Somebody says, you know, Mr. Hopkins, you just have a really good attitude and, you know, you seem to care about us and you really seem to like your job. You know, I mean, how do you do that? You know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I put my faith in the Lord. I work like I'm working for Him. And see, I'm not telling them what they need to do. I'm telling them what I do. And hopefully every chance I get, you know, that's the way I want to hopefully get them to bring them to, to faith because faith comes by hearing. And so the, the other two reasons I wanted to talk about this was I got an, uh, I got an email from, from one of my, my former students and just a little simple. I said, you know, Mr. Hopkins, is like, I've lost my faith. I want to get back into a relationship with God. And I just kind of thought about that for a while because of the wording. I've lost my faith. I've heard that before. I've lost. And I'm like, is faith like that? You know, like I lose my wallet, you know, like once every two weeks. And it's like, is it, is it something that can be misplaced like that? Or is it something that, that dies? And the more I got to thinking about it, you know, when I got to talk to him, I said, listen, man, I said, I don't think you've lost anything. I said, your faith has died. I mean, when you think about that parable of the sower, you know, some seed, there's nothing wrong with the seed because the seed is the Word of God. The seed is how you come by, by faith. And, and sometimes that seed gets on hard ground and it doesn't even get a chance to, to root and the birds come and just snatch it right up. And, you know, so that, that, was, that seed never produced any faith. And sometimes it gets in these little cracks and these rocks and it. it's kind of like my driveway. I can get grass to grow on my driveway but not in my yard. It's just weird. But like, that's, you know, you think about that sometimes, that, that the uh, seed falls into the cracks and shoots up, and then it dies. You know, I mean, it, it was there for a little while. I mean, some faith kind of got started, but then it died. And, you know, the conversation, I'm like, man, I'm thinking that's probably you. You know, that's pro- you probably, you know, that seed shot up, and yeah, you were on fire for a little bit, and yeah, but, but it, just, it just died. So, you know, I'd say, hey, man, take a new seed, take the Word of God and start pouring yourself into it. Start listening to praise and worship music. Start listening to good preachers. Start reading the Bible. Start reading good Christian books. Just fill yourself with that, man. And then you'll be on that good ground. And some of it gets produced 30 times as much, 60 times as much, 100 times as much. And, and that was the conversation we had because... Um, I don't think people lose faith. I don't think I can leave here and get in the car and say, oh, my faith, man, it's gone. just disappeared. That doesn't happen. But I, it can happen that if I get away from reading my Bible and I get away from praying and I get away from worshiping the Lord and I get away from that stuff that, that my faith could diminish and if I let it go long enough that it could die, and I don't want my faith to die. And the last one, uh, reason that, uh, that I come up with is, I'm spending an awful long time just giving you reasons for my sermon, but um, was a conversation I had with my buddy after, uh, after church because, you know, we talked about Benaiah last week and the mighty man. And, you know, the, in my mind, Benaiah had been there watching all of that stuff. But he kind of gave me the suggestion that maybe, you know, that Benaiah, he might have been really young and he heard the stories. 
Somebody told him the stories about David and how David uh, fought Goliath with inferior weapon and how David stood out when nobody else would and defeated the giant and how David went out when he saw a lion or a bear in his field. He chased after it and went offensive and killed the lion or the bear, whatever he needed to do to protect his sheep. So maybe Benaiah heard those stories and his faith came just like ours. It was by hearing. He heard these stories and said, hey, if God will do that for a shepherd boy, uh, the lowliest in his family, and he will take him and anoint him king, why won't he do the same for me? And he started doing those same things that David did, and he made it to the Bible. He made it to the mighty men, the the, the chapter of the Bible where it talks about these guys were something special. And maybe that can be the same thing that happens to us as we hear the word, our faith increases. And then as our faith increases, we can be more bold to speak the word to the lost and they can come to faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the lambs cannot be silent. So to start all this off, and before I... Uh, um, just so I'll stay on topic. I'm going to pray right quick, and, uh, and we'll, we'll dive into this. Father God, there's no one like you, and I just pray uh, that you will anoint this word, that you will anoint our ears, our eyes, our hearts, and our minds, Lord, um, that you will fill us up with your spirit, that you'll give us knowledge, that you'll give us revelation, Lord, that we'll leave here changed, Lord, that we'll see you in a different way. We'll hear things and and maybe think about how we haven't heard about it that way, like that before. And it'll just change us, Lord. It'll make us want to go out and tell other people. We'll be able to see those lost people and uh, look for our opportunities and pray for those opportunities to say something so that they will hear the Word of God because this is how faith comes about. So just anoint us and anoint us as anoint this word. And I just pray that your spirit fills this place and takes over my words and takes over this, this sermon. And that you are glorified, Lord. And then we leave here just a little bit better, a little bit more equipped to, uh, to go out and live this life that you've called us to live. There's no one like you, Lord. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start with uh, Romans chapter 10. Um, verses 11, and um, it goes, it says, For the Scripture says, whoever believes in him um, will not be put to shame. And I'll go ahead and read it, and then I'll kind of go through each one. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is all, uh, over all is rich to all who call upon him. And then for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that's the verse I had memorized. You know, I've, I've known Romans 10, 13. And, you know, and just kind of talking to somebody, you know, hey, man, uh, you know, whoever calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, all you got to do is just, you know, say the prayer. And I think, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely, you know, not a bad thing. But I do believe that, you know, as I was a young Christian, that I took that as that was it. Uh, you know, I could kind of live how I wanted to now because when I was 16 years old, I said the prayer, I called on the name of the Lord, and I looked at that as a kind of a one-shot deal. I didn't realize at the time as a 16-year-old, just ignorant teenager, that that calling was continuous, 
that I needed to call on that name every day so that he would lead me not into temptation, that he would deliver me from evil. I didn't realize that this was a continuous calling, and I still meet 50-year-old Christians that live, you can just tell by the way that they live, they don't live a God-honoring lifestyle. And, you know, that's not in any way judging because the Bible says, hey, you're going to produce some type of fruit. And you can examine that fruit to see what it produces. And so, you know, you look at that and you're like, that's just, you know, you, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, you know, when I was 12, I said that prayer. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. And, you know, they look at it as that, that one-shot deal. So let's go over these three verses again. In Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 11, it says, For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And this comes from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. So Paul's making a reference. He's writing to uh, the Roman church. This is important because basically um, the Romans are hearing that people... They're hearing the Jews, you know, say, well, hey, man, that's just for us. We're the Jewish people. We're God's chosen people. And so those people, uh, you know, the Romans be like, well, you know, they're saying that we, we can't be saved. And Paul's trying to lay out the argument, look, you can be saved, okay? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is his argument for Romans, non-Jewish people. So this is very much... Um, you know, it appeals to us because we're non-Jewish and we're the ones that, that need to know that if we call on the name of the Lord that we'll be saved. But here's where Paul quoted this from. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, okay? And a tried stone is like a, a fine grain stone where like you could etch in some sort of statutes. A precious cornerstone. And the cornerstone is probably the most important stone because all of the weight of the entire structure is going to be on that cornerstone. He's like, I'm going to lay in Zion this really important stone that it's, you know, nothing else can be done without it. It's a sure foundation and whoever believes... And we know now that this stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever believes and puts their trust in him, don't think of it as believing as like, yeah, he exists. Think of it as like a, a chair or a stool sitting here. You know, I say, well, I believe that stool will hold me up. Well, I've, once I sit on it and put my trust that it will hold me up and it does that's when I've come to faith that's when I believe so it's not just yeah I believe there's some sort of you know God out there in heaven you know it's not just that it's taking his word and doing this stuff that he's asked you to do because whoever believes they won't act hastily they won't just randomly make some sort of bad decisions. They, they'll, they'll think about it. They'll say, wait a minute, my life is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. What would he have me do? So this, Isaiah kind of uses it as whoever believes will not act hastily. Paul ended up kind of turning around to whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And of course, you know, most of my shame has come because I acted hastily and because I made decisions without thinking about it certainly didn't pray about it and ask for the Lord's guidance and for his help and so the next verse in Romans 10 12 it says for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek huge 
for the Romans. Listen, they are no better than us and we're no better than them. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And so this is so cool right here because, you know, I got to thinking, I was thinking at first, well, in the Old Testament, it kind of was just for God's people. It kind of was just for the Jewish people in the Old Testament. You know, you didn't see any kind of foreigners receiving the blessing from from God back in the Old Testament. But then Jesus himself explains differently in Luke chapter 4, verse 24 And check this out. It says, Jesus explaining this. He said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Because here Jesus is doing seriously cool stuff, healing the blind. And all they can think was, man, that dude's just Joseph's son. He's just one of us. He can't be doing all that that cool stuff. And Jesus says, man, don't y'all get it? No prophet's accepted in his hometown. You know, so he says, but I tell you truly, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah you know, and he's telling this to, to basically Pharisees and religious people. Say, y'all know Elijah, right? You revere him. Oh, the mighty Elijah. But when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. Y'all remember that? Reading about that, Pharisees? To none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So, you know, you guys think Elijah was all that, but in his hometown, nobody wanted the guy around. The king blamed him for the rain. The king wanted him dead. Nobody even wanted Elijah around. And guess who got to experience the blessing of Elijah? It was a widow in Zarephath that wasn't even a Jewish person. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. Remember Elisha? You know, the great Elisha? Y'all, of course, revere him. The prophet, none of them was cleansed. There were plenty of leopards in it, lepers in his hometown, but none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. This foreigner came here and received what should have been provided for, the, for my people, for the Jews. But none of them did. So there are some examples of foreigners, even in the Old Testament, who received the blessing of God. They weren't Jews. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, you'd think, well, I believe, right? No. They were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him over a cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, because he's Jesus, he can do whatever he wants, he went his way. And that was the sermon for the day. You know, I mean, like, I wonder if there's anything I could get up here and preach and tell you guys, and y'all be like, we're going to kill that guy. You know, I was like, I hope not, okay? I'm not, not going to go there. But, but anyway, that's what he's trying to say. Listen, they may tell you that. You may, Romans, you may hear the Jews Uh, come up and say, well, you can't be saved because you're not Jewish people. But in their own book, they know about these stories. There was other people that received God's blessing that were not Jews. He's trying to convince them. And then in 1013, he says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's letting them know, listen, Call on this man, Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He did come. He did die on a cross. And 
to show that he was the Messiah. He defeated death. He rose from the grave. He, he resurrected. And this is for all people. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in Romans 10 verse 14, I love this series of questions. How then shall they call on him who they, um, who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And I love that idea of just beautiful feet. You know, I almost titled this, you know, beautiful feet, but I figured if somebody saw Silence of the Lambs, they might click on that. I don't know. That might have been a bad idea. But, uh, you know, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings, uh, of uh, glad tidings of good things. And, and that's a, kind of a mix there. It's from Isaiah, uh, who, who kind of says, How beautiful are the feet. And Nahum also says the same thing in his book, How Beautiful. And every time I hear that, uh, you know, I think of that, that, that song. And Brian, I was going to play it, but I'm kind of running out of time. Um, but and, and I've got it. I got it kind of loaded up. But I love that in 1974, a uh, guy wrote uh, named Lenny Smith, Leonard Smith. He wrote a song, um, you know that that I know you've heard. You know how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, good news, announcing peace, proclaiming news of happiness. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Sing it with me. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. See, I mean, you can't listen to that song and just not feel good, you know? And, you know, the version I was kind of going to show you was uh, the 1974 uh, the way he wrote it, because, you know, if you type in Our God Reigns on YouTube, it's like Jesus Culture doing it or any of the huge, uh, you know, churches doing it, like half a million hits. If you go and try to find, and it's very hard to find, the, the version that he wrote, the way he wrote it, wrote it there's like a thousand hits. Like nobody's, nobody's watched it. And, uh, you know, I th- that's what I think of every time I see... That verse. So, it sounds easy. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But there's a process. And those questions send us through that process. Before people can call on the name of the Lord, they got to believe. Before people believe, they got to hear. they got to hear the message. Before they can hear the message, somebody's got to preach. Somebody's got to tell it to them. Somebody's got to give them the information. Before someone preaches, they got to be sent. And see, one that I would kind of add to it is before someone can be sent, they got to be willing to go. And I think of three, three things here, and I'm going to try to go through these pretty quick. The first one was Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Look at how God called him. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you, and and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we are certainly blessed through Abraham's family. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. I mean, there was no Bible. You know, he didn't sit down and read and study the Bible one day and get some sort of feeling that he needed to do something. God spoke to him, said, I want you to leave your home country. He didn't know what else was out there. He just said, go. Where do you want me to go? Uh, To the land that I show you. Abram just got up and went. He just left. The other one was Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Um, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, I'm sending you. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, it's like, God, who am I? Why are you picking me? And the, the other one later on is even better. He's like, Lord, pardon your servant, but send somebody else. I just don't want to go, Lord. This is what you're asking me to do is hard. It takes tremendous amounts of faith. And then there's Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I think that's more like our invitation. The Lord, you know, Jesus said, man, the harvest is so plentiful out there. But the laborers are so few. He said, there's a harvest. There's people out there ready to believe if you'll just go out there and give them the good news. But I don't have very many laborers. They're not willing to go out there and tell them. And so who shall I send, Isaiah? Who shall I send, Adam? Who shall I send, people of LCC? Who shall I send? And then Isaiah says, here I am. Here am I. Send me, I will go. So here's the bottom line. God is sending you and me. And we can't be silent. His lambs can't be silent because there is a harvest out there for us. And you can be somebody that says, that, that leads people to the Lord and invites them to church and, and hear the word. So send me. Because someone you know needs to call on the name of the Lord. Will you start that process? They need to hear. And maybe that'll be by coming to church. You know, if you feel like this is an environment that people can have their hearts touched and they can experience God, that's what we want to do. And you know, I got a lot of meetings to have with some people because by August, I feel like that's kind of like the... The new church season, because everybody's kind of back in school, everybody's in routine. We need to be firing on all cylinders, and we need to have this environment to say, listen, all we have to do is get somebody in here. All we have to do is say, come and see. You will hear a message right out of the Word of God. You will feel, you'll experience God through the praise and worship. You will will just experience Him, and it could change your life, because faith, comes by hearing, and people need to hear. And so maybe they'll listen to a podcast. You know, if they don't want to come to church, say, hey, go to our website and, and just listen 
to a sermon, you know, or point them to somebody else, your favorite preacher. Uh, maybe they'll read a book, um, you know, maybe they'll, um, maybe they'll, they'll listen to praise and worship, or you can offer them a CD of the kind of music that they, they like, and whatever you can do to get them to hear, because faith comes by hearing. But the thing that they're most likely to listen to is your story. You know, one of the best things, I've, this has probably been one of my best witnessing tools, is to uh, just pick up somebody's guitar and play some old Metallica song or something on it. And they're like, oh, Mr. Hopkins, like, I thought you was a preacher. I thought you was like, how can you do that? I'm like, well, man, back in the day when I was your age, I lived for this stuff. And they're like, man, you, you could have been playing for some band or you could have been, you know, why, why aren't you doing that? I'm like, are you kidding? You think I'd waste my life playing in some rock band? You know, and they're like, but you could be millions of day. You know, I'm like, man, it don't matter. None of that stuff matters. I said, the end of our life's coming. Rich and poor have the same destination, six feet underground, you know. And they're like, well, that's kind of depressing. I said, but I'm not going to stay that way. Well, why aren't you going to stay that way? Because I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes they might roll their eyes and walk away, but, but most of the time they listen. And they hear the story of how, listen, I walked away from all of that stuff to, to pursue God. That's not what He wanted from my life. And I want to spend my life honoring him. They'll listen to your story. You just got to look for the openings. You got to look for the ways to find it. If you have kids, this is a daily thing to make sure that they hear the word. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. And if the band wants to go ahead and start coming uh, backstage, um, they can. But it says, therefore, you, you shall lay up these words of mine in your hearts and on your soul. Okay, uh, that, that makes me think of uh, Psalm 119, 11, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, that we got to be memorizing this stuff. Uh, guys, I don't have nearly enough of it memorized. I want to start putting it on note cards. I want to get this stuff written on my heart. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. You shall teach them to your children. And, you know, it can't be one of these things, you know, like you neglect all this until they're teenagers and then they're into all kinds of stuff that you don't approve of. And you just say, well, here, youth uh, person, fix them. You know, no, this teach them to your children while they're children. If you still have children speaking of these things, when you sit in your house, they were at a much more advantage than us um, because, listen, they didn't have the TVs and the game systems and the iPads and the computers. They didn't compete with any of that. So when they're just sitting in there and really they didn't even have access to books, you know, because the printing press, that didn't come around to around the 1500s. So it's like they didn't have any of this. So when they would sit in their house, you know, it's very clear. You talk about this stuff. When you walk by the way... Okay, we didn't get in, they didn't get in a car and turn on the radio or play their iPod and just kind of, or let the kids sit in the back and play on the video games or watch a movie. So they walked. 
And while they were walking, they had long conversations about God, about the Word. When you lie down, most of these people didn't go to a different room in the house. You go to your room, you go to your room, we go to our room. They lived in one room. So when they were just laying there, they didn't have a TV to turn on. They talked about the Lord. They talked about the Word of God. This was the instruction. It was actually easier for them than it is now. Because we got to say, hey, turn that off. Turn this off. I mean, you know, Caroline, my little girl, she'll want to bring that iPad to the dinner table. They know it goes right over there. Get it out of here. Because this is our time. You know, I want to know about your day. I want to know what you liked. I want to know what you didn't like. I want to know what happened. I want to know about you. And, you know, if I can, you know, we're going to talk about the Lord. We're going to talk about this stuff. When you get up in the morning, we're praising God. We're talking about Him. We're looking at sunshine, sun, you know, the sunshine on the outside. And saying, man, look at that. Isn't God, God good? Isn't He glorious? Look at His artwork. It's just amazing. Keep going. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house. Most of us probably got this one going on. You know, I got one that says, hey, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we've got the little Bible verses. Think on those things that are pure and lovely and all that kind of stuff. Um, and on your gates, you know, get this stuff in your house. Post this stuff. Why? Because your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. I want to live a long, good life. I want my kids to live a long, good life. How do we do this? Constantly talk about the Word of God. Constantly pray with them. Keep feeding them with things to hear. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And we have too many lambs that are silent. Keep feeding yourself the things you need to hear. Podcasts, music, praise and worship, Bible, books. Keep, keep building that faith. If, if people hear, they'll believe. They'll put their trust in. If they believe, they'll do what you and I do. They will continually call on the name of the Lord. Um, so when it comes to increasing faith, okay, um, I'm the one responsible. I'm responsible for me. And band, y'all can go ahead and set up. I'm finally finishing, I promise. Um, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for me. I must constantly be hearing the Word. And I've got, it's, it's up to me. i got a Bible sitting there. How often am I going to pick it up? And how often am I going to read it? Um, I've got an app on my phone that will let the Bible be read to me if I don't want to read it myself. I mean, we have absolutely no excuses. I'm responsible for my family. I must constantly be talking about the Word with them. Um, who else is going to do it if I don't? You think you're going to, to, to let them go to school and their teacher's going to talk about it? No. You know, that, the, the 51 years ago, you know, that, the whole process for let's make sure we never talk about it in any kind of public setting, the ball got rolling, and it's getting worse. Uh, and I'm responsible for others. So it's a little more tricky there, though. I've got to be an example. I've got to be an example in the way I work, in the way I react, in the way I talk, in the way I behave. I've got to be the example, and I've got to look for opportunities to tell the people 
that are lost. I got to build these relationships, not going up to them and saying, you know, did you know I saw you cussing the other day and, you know, that you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell. And, uh, you know, if you don't accept the Lord, man, you can just forget it. Now, that's one way to make sure they never get in your path again. You know, they're like, I'm going to avoid that guy because he's crazy. But I can find something that they're interested in, that I'm interested in, and we can start talking about those things and just start praying, Lord, give me the opportunity to tell them. Why would I go through all that trouble? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Thank you, guys.